listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Take a second to share this. We're getting ready to go into part four right now of this series that we launched on Monday called Nine Types of Prayer That Move God's Hand. Help from Heaven. Nine Types of Prayer That Move God's Hand. We've covered five of those already. On Monday, we talked about praying in the Spirit, uh, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then we covered the prayer of consecration. We covered the prayer of intercession. Uh, We've covered the prayer of repentance. And um, today, I'm going to cover two more types of prayer that move God's hand. Again, not all prayer is the same. Not all prayer operates by the same rules. As I, as I told you one time, someone came to Brother Hagin after he taught on prayer and said, well, Brother Hagin, prayer is prayer, isn't it? And he said, yep, prayer is prayer and sports is sports, but they're not all played by the same rules. And he's right. You can't play basketball with football rules. You can't play hockey with cricket rules. All sports have different rules that guide and uh, uh, keep them in, in their specific uh, genre of sports. You can't even use the same uh, element in every sport can't use a basketball in hockey. <laughs> you can't use a soccer ball when you're, uh, what's that sport that they do that I can still never understand in the Olympics where they throw a thing down the ice and then they use brooms to, like, I don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm talking about? It's, a, it's, it's, it's like a winter sport, but they like, they brush the ice. Two guys run down and brush the ice as that big stone thing sliding. What is that called? Why can I not remember the name of that? Curling. Bam! I should be playing Trivial Pursuit for a living. Curling. You can't play curling with a soccer ball. And so, Leslie said shuffleboard. It's curling. Uh, but prayer is, is, yes, it's one big category, but there are things in prayer. There's many types of prayer, and I'm covering the nine that we can see in the Bible. For example, when you pray, like we talked about yesterday, the prayer of consecration, you, might, you would pray, Lord, if it be your will. Jesus did that. Lord, if it be your will. But you would not pray if it be your will, if you're praying the prayer of faith. Uh, you only, uh, because again, that would not be faith. We should know what his will is concerning our promises. But if we're being um, led by the spirit or if we're consecrating ourselves to God for his purpose, then yes, we could pray, Lord, if it be your will. But not when we're praying the prayer of faith, not when we're praying the prayer of intercession, not when we're praying the prayer of agreement. So it's important to know how prayer works uh, so that our prayers can be answered. It's not that God doesn't hear people's prayers. He hears every Christian's prayer. There's no question about it. He hears every Christian's prayer. And I want you to put that in the comments today. God hears my prayers. He always hears your prayers. In fact, put that in. God always hears my prayers. God always hears my prayers. The Bible's clear about that. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12, God's eyes are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. God's eyes are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. 
No question. If you're a righteous person, if you're a Christian, God hears your prayer, but, uh, he can't answer prayers that contradict his word. Why? Because he's watching over his word to perform it. God is watching over his word to perform it. And thank you for those that are sharing the broadcast today as you're coming on. Um, two verses that we've used as our basis for this series, John 15, seven and James five sixteen. two verses of scripture. And we've been reading those each day uh, that are the baseline, the foundation for this series on prayer. John 15, seven says, Jesus speaking, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish. What are the two prerequisites? If you abide in me, well, we're abiding in him and my words abide in you. That's why we pray the word of God. Because as I said, he's watching over his word to perform it. Not over our opinions, not over our feelings, not over our emotions. He's watching over his word to perform it. And so if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask for whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Then James five sixteen. therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, has great power as it is working. So my prayer, your prayers carry power. Our prayers carry power power, no question about it. And so today I want to cover two more types of prayer, uh, that move the hand of God. Number one, I want us to deal with, um, the prayer, what we would call the prayer of direction, the prayer of direction. There are times in your life, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. You don't know your next step forward. And again, if we are people that are supposed to be led by the spirit of God, then we should be able to hear his voice and get fresh direction from the Lord. And so, uh, I'm calling this next one, which is prayer number six today, the prayer of direction. It's number six that we've covered the prayer of direction. It's very, you can see it in the old Testament, which I'll show you in a moment. You can see it in the New Testament, which I will also show you. And we understand something about the benefit of having the Holy Spirit as our guide. John chapter 16 and verse 13, the Bible says that when the spirit of truth is come, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Now we know in the next chapter that um, part of that is the truth is God's word. So the Holy Spirit will actually lead you and guide you into all of the truth of God's word for your life. In fact, I I think this is uh, an awesome way to say it. I heard somebody give a quote one time and they said, "I I kept praying for direction and all I heard was scriptures. I kept praying for direction. All I heard was scriptures. Sometimes the answer that you need uh, for the situation you're in is already found in God's word and you just didn't know it. It's already found in God's word. 
And so the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you into all truth. And the truth is God's word. And you've maybe heard me tell this before. There was a time when I was just literally going so hard in the ministry and, and taking pride in that, you know, like I run, I run hard, I run strong and we do run hard and strong, but I was going extra hard, extra strong. And it was like one thing after another and I wasn't slowing down and I wasn't stopping and I wasn't doing it. I was just going, I'd preach Sunday through Friday somewhere travel Saturday, preach another Sunday through Friday, travel Saturday, preach another Sunday through Friday, plus doing things in the day, teaching, and then going overseas and preaching and coming back. And I remember I was overseas one time and um, I was praying in my room, getting ready for this overseas crusade. And I'm just so worn out and I'm praying and I'm praying and praying. And I'm praying, Lord, give me a word for your people tonight. Give me a word to preach to your people. What do you want to say to your people? And as I'm praying that, the Lord said to me, which, which was like cold water in my face, the Lord said to me, you know you're not my only worker, don't you? I mean, that hit me hard. Because I was like taking pride in the fact, like I run, I don't stop, I go hard, I don't slow down. And the Lord said to me, you know you're not my only worker, don't you? And that hit me. And I'd never thought of it like that. I'd always thought from the other side, like, you know, he, the Lord needs me to do what I'm called to do and I can't slow down. Jesus is coming. People are on the way to hell. And he said, turn to Mark chapter six. The Lord led me this. I had never seen this like this before, though I had read Mark chapter six many times. He said, turn to Mark chapter six. And so I turned there. And when I turned to Mark chapter six, he showed me something I had never, ever caught in this context. Now, here's a question. Was Jesus someone who taught urgency to his disciples or complacency to his disciples? No, he taught urgency. In fact, if you read John 9, 4, which we quote often, that is something he said to the disciples that put urgency in their spirit. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's still daytime, for the night is coming where no man can work. That's a statement of urgency. It puts a time demand uh, and a time limit on what you're called to do. We won't be able to do this forever. So let's work while it's still daytime. So Jesus taught urgency. He was not about laziness or complacency. He was about urgency. But after he commanded his disciples to go out into the world to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out devils. Notice what happened. They come back to tell him what they had accomplished. Mark 6 and verse 30. Look at this. And the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. All that they had done and taught. They were going hard. Look at verse 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Why? For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now you'd think if Jesus was so urgent about the work he was called to do, that as soon as the disciples came back 
and said, Lord, we've been preaching. We've been healing. We've been casting out devils. We've been doing the work you've called us to do that. Jesus would say, great. Now get out there and do some more of it. Time's running out that. And that's not what he did. It's not what he did when they came back. Did you notice when I read you that, did you notice that when they came back, he didn't even reference the work they did. He didn't even say, oh, great job. There's a lot more to be done. There's a lot of sick people that need healed. There's a lot of people that need to hear the gospel. He didn't do that. Notice as soon as they got done telling him what they'd done, he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. As soon as they reported their work, he demanded their rest. Oh man. I want you to put that in the comments. They reported their work. He demanded their rest. They reported their work. He demanded their rest. I'm going to say something. Rest is not for everybody. It's for people who have put in the work. There's some people, all they do is rest. All they do is goof off. All they do. I mean, thanks for, thanks for taking a break from taking a break. They don't do anything. Laziest people you've ever seen. And you got to rest yourself. You got to rest yourself. And so he, that's right. Put it in the comments. They reported their work. He demanded their rest. They reported their work. He demanded their rest. Why? Well, it says the Lord started to speak to me when I was overseas. He said, here's a question. He said, do you want to, do you think I want you to run long and strong? Or do you think that I want you to go hard as you can and burn out, fizzle out after a short period of time? And that, the answer is obvious. Of course, Lord, you want me to go long and strong. And he, impart, he imparted this wisdom to me through the word. He said, then if you, if you want to run long and strong, you got to operate the way that I taught my disciples. You got to work and then you've got to properly rest yourself. You've got to work and then you've got to rest yourself. I just was able to come back uh, from about uh, 10 days where I got to be with my family and uh, we did go to a desolate place. Montana slash Wyoming is a desolate, desolate place. It's vast, but there's not a lot there. We're in the middle of the mountains, 9,000 feet above sea level with no cell service. And we rested ourselves, took time to rest. This has been probably the busiest year that we've ever had in our ministry, in our life. Launched the church, still traveling, holding revivals. You know, all that we're doing, but you still have to rest. And the Lord taught me that. What was happening? I was praying and understanding the direction that God wanted me to go, the direction. See, the Lord was giving me direction as I prayed. Sometimes, now watch this, sometimes your direction comes from God's word. Sometimes it comes by the leading of the spirit. And notice the leading of the spirit directed me here to the written word of God, to understand a principle in God's word. You know, when I was in uh, Bible school, there was this dude who was kind of a deadbeat, and he uh, talked his girlfriend's dad into co-signing on a loan for a car for him. Um, but months later, he's gone, he's got the car, he's nowhere to be found, and so what happened? Uh, he's not paying his bills, it falls back onto the girlfriend's dad to pay for the car. But if the girlfriend's dad had just read the book of Proverbs, then he could have been led in that situation where the Bible says, don't put up, um, 
your your name, if as it were, don't co- a more modern translation, don't co-sign for a stranger's debt. Book of Proverbs says that. Don't co-sign for a stranger's debt. Why? You get left with it. You don't know their character, their nature. You get left with the debt. That's being led by the word of God. I can make that decision. I can have some stranger come up and say, hey, could you uh, uh, co-sign for a car? No, I don't even know who you are. I don't have a relationship with you. And the Bible says, don't do that. I'm being led by the spirit through the written word of God. But then there's others, there's other times that uh, what you are supposed to do can't be found in God's word. God's word gives you general principles and specific instructions about those general principles, but it doesn't tell you every single thing that you're supposed to do with your life and your specific purpose. It can't tell you what career path to take. It can't tell you where to live, where to go to college, or if to go to college, who to marry, where to go to church. It doesn't tell you any of those things. So it gives you parameters, but it doesn't give you specifics. So that's why you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so we, as sons of God, are called to be led by the Holy Spirit in every decision that we take or that we make. Let me uh, take you somewhere and show you this. This is called the prayer of direction. This is the prayer of direction. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'll drop my mic. This is David. This is David dealing with a situation that he doesn't know how to move forward with. And it's a rough situation. His wives, livestock, children, his men's wives, captured, captured, taken away. And he doesn't know what to do because the men are so angry that they're ready to kill him. They're ready to stone him and destroy his life. That'll make anybody upset. They're ready to take him out. In fact, the Bible says then in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 4, then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Whole family's been abducted. And David's two wives had also been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. (laughs) That'll make you greatly distressed. Because all the people were bitter in soul. They were bitter in soul. So look at this. Each Each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now look at verse 7 and verse 8. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now the the ephod, if you don't know, was a priestly garment. One thing that uh, people don't know about David, he was a prophet, a priest, and a king. He was a prophet, a priest, and a king, all in one. And so he's not just uh, someone that became the king of Israel. He was also a prophet of God, wrote many of the Messianic Psalms uh, and Messianic prophecies, but he was also a priest. 
So it was not wrong for him to call for the ephod uh, and to step into his priestly role to call on God. Think about something in the New Testament. The Bible says now that we're Christians, every one of us, we are a uh, royal priesthood. Every one of us is a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. So that means every one of us become a kingdom of priests in the New Testament. That's what the Bible says. We are a kingdom of priests. One says kings and priests unto God, but it's another translation, a kingdom of priests unto God. We're a royal priesthood. All of us are. We stand in that place where uh, David stood like that, priests unto God. We don't now have to wait for someone to uh, approach God for us, to go into the Holy of Holies for us. We can approach God for ourselves. We can approach the throne of grace. We can be led by the spirit. And so David said, bring me the ephod. He brought it to him. And verse eight, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? Now look at that. You'd think if your wives and your children were abducted and you were a man of war with other men of war at your disposal, you wouldn't even think twice. You would just head out and go back to get your wives and children back and get their wives and children back. But David said, if it's not, if the Lord's not going to be with me, if it's not his plan, I'm not doing it. If it's not God's plan, I'm not doing it. And then the Lord responded, pursue for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. And he set out, pursued, and they took back everything, defeated the Amalekites, took back everything. So catch this now. He said, if God's not in it, I'm not doing it. That right there is a principle that you've got to have, got to have in your life. And I want you to put it in the comments. If God's not in it, neither am I. If God's not in it, Neither am I because the Bible and that's based on Psalm 127 and verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it unless the Lord builds the house. So if God's not building it, I talked a little bit about this yesterday when I said, there's a lot of things I could do, but there's only one thing I should do. And that's the thing God called me to do and has commanded me to do. I use the example that there are a lot of displaced children, a lot of uh, orphaned children, and yes, orphanages need to be built in other nations. Uh, it's it's a, a noble work, it's a godly work, but God never told me to do that thing. Now, I may give to that cause, I may sow into it, but I'm not leaving my ministry here that God's spoken to me to begin and go over to some country to build orphanages. I'm not called to do that. And if I just went over and did it because I thought it was a good idea, God's hand's not going to be on me because I'm not doing the thing he told me to do. Every one of us is a servant of God and every one of us are responsible to hear the instructions God has for us and to accomplish them. No question about that. And so if you step outside and do something else, then you're laboring in vain, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain that build it. I don't want to labor in vain. I don't want my work to be in vain. So I'm going to do what the Lord's building. What did he tell me to build? What's he involved in in my life? That See, he only pays for what he orders. 
You don't have to go to a restaurant and you order your meal and then the bill comes and 19 other people's uh, meals are on your bill unless you ask for them. But they can't just put 19 other people's meals on your bill because you only pay for what you order. And God's the same. He only pays for what he orders. You can't just come up with your own thing and say, God, I'm, gonna, I decide, I'm deciding I'm going to do this. Get on it, Lord. He's not required to. He only pays for what he orders. Unless he's building the house, the workers are laboring in vain. And I refuse to labor in vain. So I'm only going to do what God called me to do. Even when it came, I'll tell you, when it came to television ministry, I was very plain with the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm not going on TV just because everybody else in my family is on television. My father's been on television for many years. My uncles are on television. My cousin's on television. You know, I I said, I'm not going on TV just because the other people in my family are on TV. I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. They're not, I'm not doing that. Because if the, watch, if the Lord never told me to go on television, then guess what? It's going to be a hard thing. I'm going to have to open all my own doors. I'm going to have to come up with all my own resources. I'm going to have to, all the different things. I'm going to have to um, find my own. It's like, it becomes the hardest thing you ever did because God's not in it because he didn't tell you to do it. So I just told the Lord, I'm not doing it. And there was a large portion of time I wasn't on TV. I was not on television in any way, shape or form. But then when the Lord spoke to do it, the doors started to open up. The doors started to open up supernaturally. Why? Because I got in prayer direction from God. Now's the time to go forward on this. But it wasn't until I got his direction that I went that direction. And when it happened, God put me on television uh, on the entire island of Jamaica. The Lord put me on television and throughout and throughout the Caribbean. The Lord put me on television throughout the entire continent of Africa, in Europe, in the United States, and uh, in, in other places, Pakistan, India. And then on top of that, I was preaching a service and... Um, as I was preaching, someone came up to me and said, there's a man here from a Christian television network. And he came to, he wanted to hear you preach. And he heard you were, you were launching your church, uh, in West Palm beach. And so afterwards I talked to the man and he said, you know, it would be great. We want to get your television program on, uh, in West Palm beach and up to Orlando and down South of West Palm beach. I said, that sounds great. I'm going to pray about it and everything. The next morning I go to breakfast uh, probably an hour almost away from where we met. And I sit down in a breakfast restaurant and I look to my right and who's sitting there in that, in that breakfast restaurant, that same man, that's the head of the Christian television network. And, and I look at him and we start, we stand up and greet each other and hug. I said, man, this is God. This is God. And I, and I knew at that point it was confirmation. No question about it. Here's a man who put us on television seven days a week seven days a week. I'm telling you, this is how God opens things up seven days a week. And, and Monday through Friday gave us a certain person, uh, who's Joyce Myers, uh, slot on Saturday gave us, uh, pastor Kenneth Hagin's spot on Sunday for an hour. The, the bill, bill and Gloria Gaither hour gave us that hour on Sunday, uh, seven days a week, open the door. God did that. It wasn't my doing. I didn't have to go and call all these networks and say, Hey, I'd love to get some time on your station. And, and will you No, 
God opened the door. And when God opened the door, we just ran through the door. We just ran through the door. God did it. Because if the Lord's building the house, then you're never laboring in vain. You're just doing what the Lord opened up for you. And I've never once, like, can I tell you something that's amazing? Though we're on television in a lot of different places, I've never once had to be like, oh, uh, we got to have a budget meeting for the television uh, program. We need to have a, a budget meeting. We need to figure out how we're going to allocate funds in this quarter for television. Never, we've never had to do it one time. We've never had to sit around and do that. Um, a lot of people, we've gotten calls. We want to put your program on for free. Great. You can, you can put it on for free. It doesn't cost me a dime. Well, that's God opening that up. It's not me. I'm not, I haven't called anybody. I've not called anybody and asked for them to do that. No, God opens the door. If it's his direction, then it's him opening the doors and then he takes care of it. We've never had to have a budget meeting. Now we're not stupid. If there's something we are paying for and we're seeing that it's not producing results, then we rethink it and say, okay, if we're not seeing anybody saved, if we're not getting testimonies, if we're not getting contacts, then why are we wasting our money? That's called stewardship. That's called stewardship. You don't just keep hammering something that's not producing anything. You steward properly what God's given you. So there's been times when we haven't, uh, you know, heard any response from an area or something like that. Say, all right, we're, we're, pulling our, we're, we're pulling our funding from that area. Not because we were running out of money, because why waste money on something that's not producing? And so we didn't do it. But I think, are, are they still playing the program anyway? Like where we, we decided to not, uh, pay for it. Some of them are still playing it anyway. So, well, I know you you said you want to go off and you don't want to pay, but can we still have access to your programs so we can continue to play them on our network? Absolutely. Here's the Dropbox. You have access to the programs. You can play them as often as you'd like and do it for free. So you understand if God opened it up, it's because his direction and his, uh, vision gives you provision. God's vision gives you provision. Please put it in the comments. God's vision gives you provision. There's no question. God's vision gives you provision. And so the prayer of direction, like David prayed, gives you the ability to say, see, God, what do you want me to do next? I've told you many times that my life has been led by the spirit where, uh, to, you know, go to school, where to go work, how to, even what, to be in the ministry was, was a, an instruction from the Lord at five years old, as I told the story yesterday. Five years old, called into the ministry, instruction from God. You know, Bible school, then traveling, then being on staff as a pastor, then traveling again, then launching a church and still traveling and doing all the things that God has done in my life. They've all been done by his instruction, led by the spirit, led by the spirit, led by the spirit. So when you're led by the spirit, God takes care of everything else. It's not yours, it's God's, it's his vision, it's his purpose. So God pays for what he orders. But the key becomes pray the prayer of direction. One of the things people, they'd rather just sit around and tell people, I just don't know what to do next. I'm gonna be honest with you, I just don't know. At this point in my life, I just don't know what to do. Stop saying that. Stop saying that. Sitting around, I just don't, I just don't know what to do. I feel like I don't know what to do. Stop saying that. Do you not have access to a limitless God who has limitless wisdom? And he said, if you lack wisdom, ask me and I'll give it to you liberally and I won't rebuke you for asking. James 1.5. 
Of course you do. You have access to a God who has unlimited wisdom. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And you can pray and you can ask him what to do. And the prayer of direction opens things up for you. It opens things up because then the Lord will speak and tell you exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Tell you exactly which way to go. Tell you exactly how to function. And as you pray, God will even give you secrets about the future. Hallelujah. God will even give you secrets about the future. Let me read you this passage. Of course, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the Bible says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. So when God reveals something to you, it belongs to you. But I want you to see Jeremiah 33 and verse number three. Now, catch this. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah. What I'm getting ready to read to you was said to Jeremiah. This is not said to the church. It's said to Jeremiah. But I'm going to make a point here in a moment. This is what the Lord says. This is um, Jeremiah 33 verses two and three. This is what the Lord says. The Lord who made the earth, who formed and established it, whose name is the Lord. And this is the New Living Translation, by the way, if you're wondering. Ask me, God says, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Let me just say that and read it one more time. And I'm not just plucking this out. I understand that Jeremiah was a prophet. Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet. Okay, I understand that. But what I want you to understand about Jeremiah is he was not a Christian. He didn't have a covenant with Christ. He did not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him. In fact, the Holy Spirit would come upon him and then lift back off of him and come upon him and lift back off of him. He didn't have uh, um, the indwelling presence of God living in his body like we do. So what I want you to see is Jeremiah is living under a worse covenant, an inferior covenant that's established upon inferior promises. However, we as the body of Christ, according to Hebrews 8, 6, have a better covenant established upon better promises. Don't tell me that God's going to do more for his Old Testament children under an inferior covenant than he will do for his people in the new covenant that's established upon better promises. And it's a better covenant. Now, we don't have to wait for the Holy Ghost to come upon us. The Holy Spirit, according to Paul, as he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says, Jesus said, I'll send you the Holy Ghost so he can dwell in you and lead you and guide you into all truth. He can show you which way to go. All these things come from the Holy Ghost who lives in your body, who you're united with Christ in baptism and the Holy Ghost is in you and you are connected and made one with God. So don't tell me that Jeremiah has more access to the leading of the spirit than a New Testament child of God. That's absolutely false. Even though he was a major prophet of the Old Testament, he doesn't have more insight and access to the voice of the Lord than New Testament believers do who have the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, living in their body, and they have a covenant connection with God who gives them wisdom. Amen. Amen. So don't tell me that God give him secrets about the future, but he won't give you secrets about the future. He won't tell you of things to come. Well, I'm not a prophet. You don't have to be a prophet. 
Every believer is led by the Spirit of God. Every believer can hear the voice of the Lord. Every believer. Every single believer can hear the voice of the Lord. So don't tell me God's going to tell Jeremiah more about the future than he'll tell you, than he'll tell me. He'll speak to us. He'll warn us of things to come. He'll give us words. He'll give us words. We were in a tw- New Year's Eve service 2019. Abundant Life Church. Bishop Rick Thomas was uh, preaching and he began to preach. Nobody knew it was coming. And he said, this is going to be a year. And he, he began to give the word for the year. He said, and, and let me tell you, when you get to March and all hell breaks loose, don't be afraid you didn't do anything wrong. And people are looking at each other in the sanctuary. What's he talking about when we get to March and all hell breaks loose? And then we got to March in 2020 and all hell broke loose and the lockdowns began and COVID and all that junk. But we had a prophetic word about it ahead of time that when he said, when you get to March and all hell breaks loose, he knew by the spirit gave us a warning. God can show you ahead of time. Vivian's asking a question that I don't fully understand. What if you knew someone hated you and was actively praying against you, stated it in front of others? We don't want your help. You were asked to help doors would open and then shut. I don't really understand that question. It's, there's like no context at all. But first of all, it's important. It's impossible for someone to pray against you because God doesn't, uh, that, that would be one of the prayers that I would, um, reference in this series that God's not answering because God only, uh, is watching over his word to perform it. Where can you see a believer praying against another believer or cursing? That's witchcraft. That's not, that's not a prayer of faith. That's witchcraft. So whatever it is, I would just ignore it and move on. That's how I deal with those things. If people don't want help, if they don't want relationship, if they don't want anything, if they're trying to work against me, tough. I move on. I I have no time for that nonsense. People get so wrapped up in what someone else did. Don't get wrapped up. Just move on. Just move on. There's, you know, seven and a half billion other people in the world. Just move on and do what God's called you to do. Don't be affected by it. Don't be affected by it. Um, The prayer of direction puts you in position to hear God's voice and to know what choice to make next. You should never make any important choices in life without prayer and fasting. I'm going to say that again. You should never make any important choices in life without prayer and fasting. Ever. Ever. Not anything. Career, marriage, moving, where to go to church. You know, any of the big things that you do with your life, you should never make any of those decisions without prayer and fasting because the Lord has a plan for you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. And many Christians just disregard the voice of the Holy Spirit like it doesn't matter. And don't even, they literally don't even ask him. People just do their own thing and they don't even ask God what they should do. And then they wonder why they feel, I don't know why I'm always in great. Cause you don't ask the Lord, ask him, let him tell you what to do. Let God direct you in what to do. Hallelujah. Let God direct you in what to do. Let me give you another one. That was number six, the prayer of direction. Let me talk to you a moment about the prayer of faith. Prayer of faith is powerful. Of course, we've been declaring that every day. My prayers carry power. My prayers carry power. The prayer 
of faith. Go with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. The Bible says this. I love this because this debunks all that nonsense that people say in, in, in church that don't understand God's word. You know, sometimes we go through these things because, you know, God's, God's teaching us something. He's, he's trying to get something across to us. That's why we go through these things. Listen to what James wrote. James 5.13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray about it. <laughs> he didn't say, then just understand God's sending that suffering to teach you to be better and stronger. And he's trying to show you something you don't know. No. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray about it. Pray about it. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? He didn't say, well, you know, sometimes we get sick and God sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. And you got to understand sometimes these things come upon us. And if you're sick, just understand God's trying to teach you something through it. No. Is anyone among you sick? What should they do? Call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. It's talking about Christians. So notice there's a prayer of faith that you can pray. There's a prayer of faith you can pray. So, well, that's just, that's just for the elders of the church to do. Not really. Because if you read the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, the Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. If you're a believer, signs will follow you. What kind of signs? The Bible says, they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. They will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. So every believer has the power to do the works that Christ has done. He said, the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these, because I'm going to be with my Father in heaven. Part of the reason that uh, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that we can receive power to do the work of God. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Someone who can produce evidence. You see that? And Sean, if you're serious, we will send you a prayer cloth because we believe in that. Acts chapter 19, the Bible says, handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from the body of the apostle Paul when they were laid on the sick and demon possessed. Their sicknesses were healed and the demons left them. I believe that you can transfer the anointing just like the Bible teaches. So if you'll send a, uh, an email to Jenna at MiracleWord.com, Sean, we may already have your, e- or we may already have your address. Um, I just want to ensure we do. Tell us where to send it. I'll pray over one and I'll send it to you. And believe with you that your platelets will be uh, 150 by November 3rd. I'll believe, it, I'll believe that with you and stand with you in Jesus' name. In fact, I pray the prayer of faith right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, whatever this is that's tried to attack Sean's body, I rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus and I lose healing virtue. I command his body to come in line with the covenant 
I command his body to function as it was created to function in Jesus' name. And I command those platelets to be at 150 before November 3rd in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you that whatever the devil tried to launch, whatever fiery dart has tried to be launched at Sean, that the shield of faith extinguishes every fiery dart of the wicked one today in the mighty name of Jesus. We call it done by the power of the Holy Ghost. The prayer of faith that, and it's not just for sickness. You can pray the prayer of faith. You can believe for deliverance. You can believe for breakthroughs. You can believe for, uh, there's multiple things you can see even in this verse. The Bible says not only will their sicknesses be healed, their sins will be forgiven if they've committed any. So literally, according to this, the prayer of faith can even forgive you of sin. Heal your body. Forgive you of sin. Right? So there's power in the prayer of faith. Now, here is something that I always want to put in front of people's minds when we're talking about the prayer of faith. Go with me to James 1. And then we're going to... And let me say this. Um, and I, I, want, I do want you to get it. When we're talking about the prayer of faith, it is vital to understand how faith works. How does faith work? Because if we know the just shall live by faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. How does faith work? How does faith work? You turn to James chapter one, and I'm going to read to you before I go to James one, Mark chapter 11. You know, the apostles said in first, uh, second Corinthians chapter four, um, we have the same spirit of faith as it is written. They believe, therefore we speak. We also believe, therefore we also speak. That's right, Sean, Jenna at miracleword.com. That's exactly right. And Jesus cursed the fig tree and his disciples were amazed. And he said, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. Not believe you received it after you get it. When you're praying, believe that you receive it. You got to speak it. The spirit of faith is released by speaking. You've got to say what you believe. You got to speak what you believe. You confess what you believe. The spirit of faith is released by speaking and prayer is part of speaking. There's no silent prayer. You pray, you pray things out of your mouth. Prayers can be heard. Amen. You pray, you pray out loud. That's part of your speaking. And so understand this as we're praying this prayer of faith, how does faith function? Faith gets rid of doubt and unbelief. That's why that verse said, Mark, Mark 11, you don't believe you receive when you get it. You believe you receive when you pray at the moment that you pray. So when asking God for something, James one verses six through eight, let the one who's asking ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So there it is. And Penny, that was Mark 11, 23 and 24. But James 1, 6 through 8, there you see it. You ask in faith with no doubting. 
with no doubting. I'm not half and half on this. Well, I'm, I'm hoping God comes through. I hope we see a break. No, I'm not half and half on this. I'm asking in faith with no doubting in my heart. No doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose they'll receive anything from the Lord. Not anything. Not one thing. For they're a double-minded man, unstable in all their ways. And that's, you know, man, generic, double-minded man, double-minded woman. You can't be double-minded about the promises of God. Well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I heard one preacher say, well, brother, you know, nine times out of 10, God will come through for you. What about that other time? That puts doubt in people's minds. Is God good for his word or is he not? His, His word says, God is not a man that he should lie. When I was talking to Dr. Mike Murdoch, he said that, I believe, is the most important verse in the Bible. Most important verse in the Bible. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not bring it to pass? God doesn't lie. His word is always true. If his word said it, I believe it, that settles it. Smith Wigglesworth coined that term that everybody now quotes. God God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Connie said, uh, my brother Paul and his wife are getting ready to move to Ocala, Florida. I wonder how far they are away from the church. I thought you said early Bradenton, Florida. Uh, Because if they're by Bradenton, they're very close. They're not far from Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's at the river. Um, I'm down south in in South Florida. So I'm about three and a half hours from Tampa. Don't know how far I am from Ocala. Dorothy said, I was unstable and now I get why doubt creeped in. Thank you much for this teaching. Listen, I want you to understand something. We have the ability to cast doubt out. We've got the ability to cast doubt out. And that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. You have to say, how do you get doubt out? How do you get doubt out? How do you build faith? By hearing the word of God preached and taught. By hearing the word of God preached and taught. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. That's how it functions. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more you hear, and that's why I'm I'm thankful that you're on with me every day. Um, Because the more you hear the word taught, then the more your faith is built and goes to another level. The more you hear the word of God preached and taught, the more your faith goes to another level. That's why we launched Miracle Word Radio. Because then now you don't have to worry about, you know, what should I listen to today? Or, you know what, you know, I, I tell people, turn off the morning show. Turn off all the, this other stuff. Turn off, put, turn off that junk K-love. Turn that crap off where there's no faith. There's no anointing. Turn it off and, and put on preaching and teaching that builds your faith. And so that you never have to wonder what you should listen to and you never have to wonder what, um, you know, what you should uh, pick 
There's people, you know, I don't know, who, who should I listen to today? Should, no, just turn the radio app on and listen, and there's preaching and teaching nonstop. Preaching and teaching nonstop. Yeah, and it'll bless you. It will absolutely bless you. It'll build your faith. It'll build your faith supernaturally. And so I encourage you to do that. If you don't have it, you can get the Miracle Word app from the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. Just search Miracle Word and you'll be able to get it and listen for free. It's all free. We put out so much content because my heart is build people's faith. Build people's faith. And it will build your faith. In fact, because we're teaching this series on uh, answered prayer uh, or how to move God's hand by the nine types of prayer, I want to offer to you um, our course on answered prayer in, in inside of Miracle Word University. And uh, I'm going to give you $10 off uh, if you'd like to get it. All you have to do is go to MiracleWordU.com. That's Miracle Word University. MiracleWordU.com. And when you get the answered prayer course and add it to your card to check out, use that code PRAYER10 and I'll give you $10 off of this course that's like five or six hours long that goes through a ton of different topics on prayer. We talk about what the Bible says prayer actually is and what it's not. We talk about why we should pray from scripture. We talk about all the types of prayer. We talk about all the benefits of prayer, 12 keys that bring answers to prayer, three prayers God does not hear, the biblical order of prayer. What about fasting in prayer? We deal with all those things inside that course called answered prayer. And I want you to have it. We made it as affordable as possible. And it's a ton of teaching uh, broken up into a bunch of different videos, but you can get $10 off by using that code. So I want you to understand this because the Lord has begun to speak to me. It's time for us to pray like we've never prayed. We need to press in in prayer like we've never prayed before. And that's why we've now, we're launching these, these daily prayer services where uh, we're praying every day together at 12 noon. I want you to join me. I'll be back again today praying right here on these same channels at noon today. I'm doing it Monday through Friday. We're praying and seeking the face of God and asking God for divine intervention. We're moving the hand of God by our prayer. And I want every one of you to join me today again at 12 noon for prayer. And let's believe God that things are going to quickly turn around in our nation, in our family, in our business, in our ministry. Things are going higher, higher, higher because we're pressing into God's presence. And so the prayer of direction is vital in the life of a believer and the prayer of faith. You know, don't ever, listen to me, don't ever feel as though you can't step out and pray the prayer of faith over somebody. Don't ever look at yourself and say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a ministry gift. I don't preach. It doesn't matter. You could be a mechanic. You could be a computer engineer. You could be a, 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 someone that writes code. You could be a nanny. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're a believer with faith in your heart, you can pray the prayer of faith and watch God change people's lives. Step out by faith. Step out and watch God move. Watch God move. I'm telling you right now that I'm praying for you that God will give you a hunger for prayer like you've never had. One of the things that, I, uh, that struck me reading Dr. Cho's book on prayer that brings revival is he said, yes, everyone knows that we have to pray, but the key is actually getting people to pray. There's got to be a burden in you. There's got to be a hunger in you. There's got to be something that drives you to seek the face of God 
and pray. Second Chronicles chapter seven, the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. What's the key? That my people that are called by my name have to humble themselves and pray. Humble themselves and pray. Susan gives the testimony. I was praying with a girl this weekend and she said, wow, there is something different about you. It's the spirit of faith. That's exactly right. It is the spirit of faith. It's the spirit of faith, the spirit of joy, the spirit of peace that's on you as a believer, especially if you're a part of the victory tribe, because you get this kind of impartation through teaching and preaching nonstop. And that's what it should build in you. A spirit of faith, a spirit of joy, a spirit of peace. Hallelujah. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.